Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 397 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening, April the 30th. And I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Scott, thank you for holding it down in my absence last week. How are you, sir? Hey, happy to be here. Happy to fill in and try to replace you, the legend himself, hosting (laughs) podcasts. Come on. If anyone ever wonders, just for kicks, um, try talking to yourself or with one other person for like an hour and uh, it's more difficult than you would realize, I think, for most people. So, um, Brad, I'm, we're happy to have you back. I don't think anyone wants to necessarily hear me host, uh, but welcome back, sir. And thankfully, there is no rain on this podcast feed tonight. <laughs> it was very, very, I have some friends in New York, and they said this is like the most miserable weekend they've had in like forever. So naturally, the Braves and Mets were set to play four games. Yeah, and honestly, it kind of is the whole theme of the week. And as you're as we're recording this podcast, it's Sunday. We're going a little bit earlier than expected because there was no baseball today. The Braves did go four and one, and they were very close to five and zero oh this week, as we'll we'll talk about later on. But it was very very rain soaked Thursday. They had a long delay, like a three hour delay. They ended up playing the game, but they had a huge delay in the middle. Friday. They ended the game after five innings. Now, it's an official game. It's still a win for the Braves, but that was what happened there. And then Saturday and Sunday were both rained out. And it's not often that you see games called as early as they were. Like, I was at church this morning and got the notification about the Braves being rained out and texted you knowing you were still asleep. Because it was like yep. 7 a.m. Pacific so, or something like that. I was like, well, I guess we have to figure out what to do with, with the podcast today. So, yeah, lots of rain, Um, you know. I guess it could be worse, but I know a lot of Braves fans, especially those who just kind of watch the Braves and don't watch the rest of baseball, were kind of like, wait, we don't get to watch baseball for like three days? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, this is basically it. It was weird. Yeah, I am tr- I was trying to think back. I can't remember the last time the Braves had two games completely rained out back to back. And as you said, like rained out in the morning. Not even like, well, we'll see. Maybe the weather holds. It's been a long time, a little unconventional the timing wasn't the worst thing. The Braves are in the middle of a 17 games in 17 days stretch. So the fact that they only had to cover five on Friday night was nice. And then, of course, no games on Saturday and Sunday give everybody a bit of a mental breather here. Uh, but of course, it means we have a doubleheader on Monday and then another doubleheader in New York in August. But nonetheless, it was nice to at least get one win. Like you mentioned, a four and one week overall is good to see. And then hopefully on Monday, uh, Braves can at least take one out of two and and really close out, especially with this new schedule where you you play your divisional foes less. 
I think the division games are going to start meaning a little bit more than we're used to. It's only going to be 14 against the Mets this year compared to 19 or 20 in previous years. And as we know, a tiebreaker can absolutely come into play at the end of the year. So at the very least, good to get the first one out of the way, give everybody a break, and hopefully finish up strong on Monday. Yeah, it's a doubleheader now. We'll talk about the action a little bit at the end of the podcast, but a doubleheader in which the Braves are going to be favored probably in both games despite being on the road. So, And like you said, a little bit of extra rest. It's, I'm sure, kind of brutal for the team as far as logistics to have to be up there, get ready to play, and then not play and kind of just be stuck in New York. But a little bit of rest is not the worst thing in the world. I guess we should start with the Miami series, which feels like it was a lot of time ago after all of the rain and everything. And uh, a lot of it went very well. I guess we should go back to the very beginning when it comes to Monday, because as you and Chris detailed last week on the main feed, as well as you know Chris and Steven on the show as well, um, it was awful heading into that. They had lost four games in a row and the vibes were not particularly good. And then on Monday, I actually did a, a, a special edition of the, of the Daily Hammer because of Spencer Strider's performance on Monday. He openly flirted with a perfect game and then a no-hitter and essentially was the dominant story in a game in which the Braves scored 11 runs. Of all I tell you is the Braves are going to score 11 runs. You don't usually think that the, the starting pitcher is, the, is going to be the biggest story, but 11-0 uh, and Strider was just out of his mind, essentially, on Monday. It was a long time ago now, I feel like, but uh, worth documenting again. Yeah, if it wasn't already, Spencer Strider is appointment television. And I think on a national level, too, anytime you have a guy who's flirting with a perfect game and a no-hitter, the national writers and reporters tend to either tweet or talk about it. It makes maybe the A block of Sports Center that night. But I think across the country, Spencer Strider has become appointment viewing, eight innings, 13 strikeouts, which is insane, against a pretty good Marlins team. Marlins are playing good baseball. And you noted the Braves had lost four in a row. That Astro series was crushing. And whenever you have a, a frontline starter, and, and Strider is the epitome of a frontline starter. You want them to go out there and stop that losing streak. So for him to dominate that way, the team absolutely needed it. Yeah, it just comfortable. They hit. They actually hit five home runs, and it was a very breezy win in a lot of ways. Uh, your guy Sam Hilliard hit two home runs that night. But yeah, I mean, I, I was getting texts from people that don't necessarily text me about Braves baseball. They're like what I would describe to you as casual fans. Like they have some interest in the Braves, but like unprompted responses from people in my life. Like, are you watching Strider right now? Yep. I'm watching. <laughs> he's uh, yeah. he's out of his mind. Uh, we're all seeing it. And, you know, you, you kind of want to avoid the, um, the obvious, you know, I don't know, the hovering story of the perfect game for a long time. And um, I talked about it a little bit on Monday on the show uh, on the daily hammer, but like the fact that it wasn't only the blunder from Olsen that blew the perfect game was probably good for everybody's psyche involved because yeah. that was, that would have been kind of brutal. And, uh, but still, I mean, it was a great performance uh, Strider has not pitched since then because he's got he got rained out along with everybody else, but he'll be on the mound on on Monday and game one. By the way, is going to be involving him, so I think everyone would watch everyone that can watch that in the middle of the day on Monday. I don't know, I know that not everybody can, but uh, if they can, I'm sure they'll be getting a lot of attention. Yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, the lineup woke up. Sam Hilliard just continues to make an impact one way or another. Um, we're going to talk about Michael Harris coming back over the weekend, or I guess on Friday was his only real appearance. But I think Sam Hilliard has shown that he at least has to be in the mix somehow. Now, is he this guy forever? No, probably not. I, I don't think he's necessarily this superstar that he's been over the first month. 
but he has some very real tools. Uh, he's, he's some loud tools. He has some real power. He runs the bases. I mean, he's like Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills size. I mean, the guy is huge and he can really move around. He's smooth defensively. And it is good to know that if, heaven forbid, something were to happen to one of the outfielders, you have Hilliard waiting in the wings. Uh, maybe Eddie Rosario gets it going. Maybe he continues to to, slug, to struggle or be up and down the way he has. But again, it feels like every week we do this podcast and Sam Hilliard is doing something good. He had those two home runs Monday night and just continues to find ways to better the team. I'm not piling on Sam Hilliard. I promise we just talked about him in a very positive light. He does have a 500 BABIP right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's not going to stay. He's also striking out 42% of the time. So like you're probably going to be in for something of a crash, but that is kind of the theory around Sam Hilliard is like his, his power is his carrying tool and he has some upside. Uh, when he first came up in 2019 with the Rockies, he had a really good stretch where he slugged like almost 700 for a while. And like, it's, you know, when it's bad, it's bad. You can kind of step away from him. That's, that's kind of the beauty of a guy who you don't have a ton of investment in, but ride it while it is happening. And I think he's been a huge part of their success so far. Um, Tuesday, they bounced back with a nice win as well behind Charlie Morton, who was quite good on Tuesday. Uh, everyone was good that night. You know, Ozzy hit two home runs. Um, Eddie Rosario hit a home run off a lefty for two days in a row. Uh, that that was a surprising development, let's just say, because Eddie against left-handed pitching is not always the best proposition in the world. That was more of a normal win. Like, it was kind of just like, okay, solid starting pitching, solid across the board hitting. Everyone had a hit in the lineup other than Matt Olson, who walked twice. Um, I guess we talk, we talk about the bullpen, because the bullpen... Um, hasn't been great recently. I know you and I have been guilty of uh, lauding the bullpen for its uh, stability, generally speaking. Even last week or maybe two weeks ago when you and I talked again, I was like, look, people are kind of worried about the bullpen still playing pretty well. I guess I was uh, speaking too soon. But um, that was kind of the only hiccup on Tuesday was the bullpen was not great, but they still won pretty comfortably in the end. Let's hope now that Colin McHugh is back and Bryce Iglesias is almost back. You know, there's been a lot of AJ Minter and Nick Anderson, Jesse Chavez, they've had to shoulder a lot of the load early on in the year. And Minter in particular has been brutal. His ERA is like nine right now. Um, And even though the Braves did win on Tuesday night, the bullpen was shaky. It was really the fourth night in a row at that point where when called upon, the bullpen had not been very sharp. Um, it's just one of those things. And I, I don't think anyone is necessarily concerned, like full on concerned about the bullpen at this point because of the names and the track record that so many of those guys have. But it is fair to say that including Thursday's loss, I mean, really the, the bullpen is the only real weak link on this club right now. Starting rotation has been awesome, especially with what they've been able to get out of Bryce Elder. And now that Max Freed is back, and the lineup has been really good, maybe a, a bit top-heavy at times, but overall the lineup has not been the issue for this team. Uh, it's really just the bullpen, and hopefully it's just one of those stretches where guys are off. You know, The margin is so thin, right? A ball goes two feet one direction instead of the other. The game is is not nearly as dramatic as it should have been. Um, you know, A.J. Minter has run into some really, I don't even know if bad luck is the right word, but I think he has been just giving up a lot of contact and sometimes contact finds a hole, finds an open spot in the outfield and other times it doesn't. I think you just have to hope that the bullpen gets things figured out because right now the rest of the team is firing really on all cylinders. 
Yeah, and I don't really worry that much about the bullpen. I mean, we talk about Minter, and we probably will again in a second when they talk about Thursday and the one kind of black mark of the week. But, you know, even Minter, you can make the case, and I think our friend Stephen Tolbert made the case um, earlier this week, like, his peripherals don't even look bad. Like, I, I think the eye test has been a little bit shakier than the peripherals, to be sure. I'm not saying he's pitched well. He hasn't. But I think Minter, like, the, the, the signs that are dire are not really there. He's been kind of bad a little bit, and – he has a track record of being good. Obviously, the downside would be that he had one the one bad year where he kind of just became like completely unglued. So maybe that's possible. I'm not saying it isn't. But having McCubac, having Iglesias, who again projects to be their best reliever and looks good in the minors right now, like I think they will be fine. I don't know if it's going to be as good as we thought it might be, but there's a reason why every March and every uh, you know, July and every August you and I talk about how vol- how volatile bullpens are and because they are, I mean, as, as good as they were projected to be and literally number one in baseball by multiple services, like everyone would still acknowledge the folks at Fangraphs or BP or wherever would still say, look, bullpens are more volatile than every- everybody else is on these projections. So if the Braves end up with the 12th best bullpen in the league, I'm not going to be surprised at all, even though we kind of thought they were going to be really good. And I still kind of do at this moment in time, it's just a little bit more uncertain. Well, and I think the beauty of Iglesias coming back is then roles become less defined when your closer is back, right? If you're facing, say, the Phillies in a week or whenever the heck the Braves see the Phillies, you know, and Bryce Harper's coming up in the seventh inning, you can utilize Minter to attack and go after Harper, uh, right? You don't necessarily just have to lock him into that ninth inning spot. It frees up Minter, it frees up Anderson, it frees up McHugh. You go down the list. Um, you know, guys are, have a little more flexibility with who Brian Snitker can call upon. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. Bullpens are a funny thing. They have good stretches and then they have bad stretches. I think we probably remember the bad more than the good just because Always. whenever the bullpen <laughs> yeah, whenever Always. the bullpen has a bad night, it usually means the Braves have lost or a game that should have been a blowout win turned into one where you're really kind of holding on for dear life. Um, but again, you, you should get Iglesias back soon. They'll be at full strength. Guys aren't necessarily like Nick Anderson has had to take the ball basically every single time the Braves have been involved in a close game. Now, as good as Anderson has been, he's not Mariano Rivera, no. right? Like there's going to be ups and downs. And I think just you get the depth back, get a little healthier, make sure you aren't always having to go to guys in the highest leverage spots and and see where you're at in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a, a good synopsis of where things stand. Um, we should at least roll through Wednesday real quickly before we touch on uh, Thursday's mess. Um, I was actually at the game Wednesday, and I want to shout out the folks at Valley Sports for having some of us down there. Uh, Scott, you would have been invited had you not lived 3,000 miles away to that to, to that event. I was, but, uh, I was bummed Valley didn't send the private jet. Yeah, to, I tried to, I tried to get our, our guy Zach Dillard to fly you out um, just, <laughs> uh, on, like, on like wheels up or something, but that didn't really happen. Anyway. Um, we got to we got treated to a pretty interesting game. The Braves were down four nothing in the sixth. Uh, Bryce Elder was not very good. He wasn't like a total mess, I didn't think, but he was hit hard the entire game. And uh, they were down four nothing. It looked to be a little bit dire. And then the offense came a lot. Ronald Acuna homers, Juan Grissom drives in a couple of runs, um, and then they score four. They scored four runs in the eighth to win it, basically on a run between Olson and Rosario and Vaughn, and then an error by Miami at the end. Um, so. You know, as we get into Thursday's mess, one, I would say a level-headed perspective would be that the Braves probably should have lost on Wednesday and probably should have won on Thursday. So it was kind of balanced out. Now, I don't know when satisfied by that, so I will certainly admit that 
Uh, Thursday was pretty tilting by everybody involved. But when you average out the outcomes of Wednesday and Thursday, I think it was probably one and one was probably reasonable. Yeah, that's well said. And, you know, that that rally in the eighth inning was just prime Atlanta Braves over the last five years. Seems like every couple of weeks there's a game where the Braves just look completely dead in the water and then you blink and all of a sudden they have a lead. They're facing Sandy Alcantara, Cy Young winner. Bryce Elder was okay, gave up, I believe, four solo home runs or maybe three home runs and then a run after he departed. But again, you know, he wasn't terrible by any means. And most nights you figure the Braves are going to be able to score more than three or four runs. Uh, so for them to put that rally together in the eighth was awesome. Uh, you mentioned uh, Von Grissom. Grissom has had a knack for picking up big hits in his couple of weeks. Overall, he has been great. I mean, there's like no power. Uh, he isn't striking out. He's not walking. I feel like he's been hyper aggressive whenever he stands into the box. And while his numbers overall have not been great, you know, he had a big hit. Um, there was some bad defense, which you mentioned. I, Garrett Cooper should have fielded a ball that went down the first baseline. Uh, the reliever from Miami just sent like a dart to the catcher. <laughs> I mean, he could have like underhanded it and they would have had a play at the plate. Uh, and he just full on sent that thing. Uh, but I think that's well said. You know, as fun as the Wednesday night win was and to come back, the Braves let one get away on Thursday. But in the end of the day, it's baseball. You're going to balance out the weirdness most of the time. And at least you got one out of those two. Still, though, I want to uh, pause here a- after a winning streak. We'll, we'll kind of go into the break on a high note and then we'll come out of the break. We'll talk about the fact that Thursday went awry. And then we'll discuss Friday and a little bit of a look ahead to the rest of this week and into next week as we begin a new run that hopefully sort of includes less rain. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Okay, Scott, let us discuss the one bad moment of the week, and it was Thursday. I'll go here. Uh, I am technically a, an employee of Paramount slash CBS for my work at Sportsline, so I will use this stat from CBS Sports. The Braves were reportedly 856-1 and one since 2000 when leading by at least four runs in the ninth inning or later. On Thursday, they became 856-2. and two because they were up for nothing in the ninth with a chance to sweep in four-game fashion after a ridiculous three-hour mid-game rain delay, and then A.J. Minter had a rough night. We talked about him earlier, no reason to kind of relive all of it. And then when he left, still they were still leading, although they were in trouble, and Jesse Chavez, old reliable, was not so reliable, gave up a two-run double to lose the lead, and the Braves did not score in the bottom of the ninth. Kind of weirdly, before I throw it to you, every run in the game, and it was 5-4, Final score. Every run in the game happened in two half innings. The Braves scored all four of their runs in the top of the fifth when they had five guys reaching a row. And then obviously all five of the runs for the Marlins happened in the bottom and the sorry in the uh yeah, the bottom of the ninth. Or what was the top of the ninth? I, I went backwards there. Braves scored their their yeah. four in the bottom of the fifth, top of the ninth. Anyway, a weird game all the way all the way around, and like you can't overstate how weird it is to have a number that's as large as that. 856 and one number now granted the Braves have been better than almost anyone in that situation so it's not quite that way for every team in the league um I guess it's kind of actually a pretty impressive run to have if you were a baseball team to never really ever blow that kind of lead over 20 plus years but they did it finally on Thursday yeah that's an insane stat I mean again 857 times since the year 2000 
right? In the year 2000. That was a long time ago, Brad. Yes, uh, yes, it was. 856 and one before Thursday. So if you happen to stick through the three-hour rain delay, you know, congratulations. You've seen a piece of Atlanta Braves history, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, just a stinker of a game. The field was drenched. I was surprised that they kept going, but uh, you know, they don't necessarily want to push games at the end of a series to later on in the year. Teams don't love double headers, especially in August and September. And again, you know, Miami only comes to Truist one more time. That I think that's something fans maybe haven't necessarily realized because of the new schedule. So there's only one other opportunity for the Mar- the Marlins to come back. And let's say that's a rainy weekend. You know, that can get really ugly in a hurry. Um, yeah, just a game. Thankfully, on Friday night, the Braves uh, bounced back really nicely against the Mets because nobody felt great after that Thursday game. Uh, but just a bizarre one, right? You mentioned all of the offense came in two half innings. Even the Braves' scoring involved like an error and a bases loaded walk. It was just an ugly baseball game. But you took three out of four against the Marlins, who are, again, continuing to play well. And I, I think you take it. Yeah, I mean, look, you can in the moment, no one is having fun watching what happened at the end of that game. Braves fans were not happy, and I understand all of that. But that was like kind of the ultimate can't predict ball game. Like your best active relievers pitching, he blows up. Like you said about the way the Braves scored their runs, it just happens sometimes. It's one sixty two, and you can't just panic too much. And like you said, it was good that Braves kind of came back on Friday and won the only uh, mini game, we should say, <laughs> over the weekend. Um, Max Reed pitched really well on Friday in the opener against the Mets, as long as he was allowed to pitch. I guess it was a complete game for Max, if you think about it that way. I mean, there was no, there was no, no, no one was pitched pitch for the Braves in the game on Friday. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he's get credit for that, but uh, it's one of those things. And uh, they led. You know, I think what the entire way essentially. Matt Olson hits the the big shot yeah. of the day with a uh, free run homer, my guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had nothing else to add. It was a game that had a ninety minute rain delay, and then they ended the game. I mean, I, I was not watching when they actually called it. Uh, did you see how fast they ended it? Because I think you brought this up. Like, wasn't it like called off like pretty much immediately to yes. uh, tarp on and everything? I was like, all right, this is gonna be it's gonna be. Yeah, it. I mean, honestly, knowing that both Saturday and Sunday were rained out. I mean, the umpire crew deserves a lot of credit. Um, not Now, if the Braves would have lost in five innings, I don't know if we would have felt similarly. Yeah, but... ter- ter- terrible umpiring that if the Braves had, uh, yeah, the Braves had lost. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, right. It's amazing how the umpiring is better whenever your team wins. Uh, <laughs> across, and not just baseball, all sports, right? Um, but, you know, that game really, I mean, it was a steady rain for two hours or however long it was before they called it. Max did a great job in the rain. I would imagine that mound was soaked. Must have been hard to get his, you know, his footwork done. Uh, but Acuna got a big hit. Olsen crushed the baseball, which was good to see. You now his strikeouts have become a a little bit of a concern for a guy with his profile. I'm not overly concerned with the K's. I mean, if like Ozzy Albies was striking out a third of the time, I think I'd be a bit more concerned than Matt, who has had a significant amount of swing and miss. But I think that's just kind of his game, and he does a great job of hitting for power and getting on base. Uh, But, yeah, it was like literally seconds after the Braves uh, got the third out in the bottom of the fifth. The the grounds crew brought the tarp out, and the game was called maybe an hour later. But especially after that Thursday game, it was nice to get a win, and you're 1-0 against New York. 
Yes, one to know still as we as we talk. I, I'm not sure that we thought that at the end of that game that we would have nothing else to talk about for the rest of the weekend when we recorded the podcast on Sunday night. But uh, as discussed previously, nothing else happened. Um, you know, just to be technical here, the game on Saturday was technically postponed to a doubleheader on August 12th. And then the game on Sunday was postponed to doubleheader on Monday. Um, so we still have a doubleheader looming with the Mets in August. That's a long way from now. Um, we'll end the show talking about the week ahead. Uh, I have to bring up one thing that I'm sure will get us yelled at by some Braves fans. But because you tweeted it to open the door, Scott, uh, I have to bring this up. You said a tweet. What, what, what day was that? Was that Tuesday, Wednesday, something yeah. like this? Um, yeah. It's about Austin Riley. And uh, caveats, we, I know you and I were probably too low on Austin Riley at one point. In fact, we, I, know, I know we were. But this is not on purpose. It's just what it is. Uh, he's been cold recently he has a 600 ops in the last 13 games it's not a huge sample size only like two and a half weeks no reason to panic but you brought this up and i will defer to you on that um basically and this is definitely an arbitrary endpoint and we should at least say this it comes on the heels of maybe the best month in the history of the atlanta braves that's how good he was in july of 2022 he was absolutely out of his mind and hilariously as we talked about then he signed the extension the next day at the end of july um, since then he's been a good player, but he has not been, uh, nearly as good. And his numbers this year, in particular, the batted ball stuff does not look like it did last year. And we're not in the point at April 30th to panic, but it's just kind of worth circling. I think even if, again, I'm sure we'll get yelled at by some people. Yeah. I, I mean, I got destroyed. For <laughs> I'm sure Guys, you, you can't, you can't blow someone up if they point out a statistic. Like I, I'm not going out of my way to make these statistics up. The stats are what the stats are, uh, but it, it's fair to say and acknowledge that Austin Riley, since the contract extension, which was 10 years and $212 million. So we still got another nine and a half and $200 million to go on this deal. Right. Um, Austin has been, especially at the third base position, very, very average offensively. Uh, his OPS is about 760. His WRC plus is 108. League average is 100. So slightly better than league average, but for a guy at a premium offensive position at third base, I think Austin Riley would tell you if he was on this podcast that he needs to be better than what he has been. He was still hitting the ball pretty hard uh, last year and this year, though. His batted ball profile has not been as good as it's been in previous years. We are just talking about a month worth of games, and maybe he's a guy who, as we get to know him a bit more, is going to be someone who starts out slower and then heats up during the summer months. And maybe it is all just a big coincidence. But it's worth pointing out that for as many things that have gone right for this organization, the fact is you owe Austin a ton of money over the next nine and three quarters years. And for being a third baseman, he really just isn't hitting at the level that you would hope for, uh, you know, to this point since last August. Yeah. And look, all of it counts. And you, choosing the August 1st endpoint does make him look as bad as he possibly can. You know what I mean? Like, because he was so good. And that's why I led with this. He was so unprecedentedly good in July that not including that is not fair. And that's that's part of the deal. Um, but even if you look at last year and which he had a great season, I mean, he, he absolutely did have a great year. Um, but it was, it was a very heavily weighted to that month season. Like here is his WRC plus by month. 
Um, he was good in April, but it was uh, 110 in May, 125 in June, 270. <laughs> oh my God, 270 in July. That's just impossible. Uh, 110 in August, and then 101 in September. So like, he was good all year. You know, you'll take that. But he was superhuman for a month, and he was just pretty good the rest of the season. And that led to a, a year that was quite good. I mean, he had his best season of his career, a 142 WRC+. Plus. He hit 38 home runs. Like, obviously, if he replicates last year, everyone, including us, will be thrilled. That's a five-win player, and that's an awesome player. Um, the, the, the problem is he hasn't had that run yet this year. And the only reason why, in addition to your tweet, that I wanted to go to a little bit more depth on this is because the better ball, the better ball stuff. Like, the one thing about last year, he was 95th percentile or higher in, like, all of the stuff you care about. Average, average exit velocity, hard hit rate, um, ex-WOBA, expected slugging percentage, barrel rate, all those numbers that basically tell you that you're hitting the ball really, really hard. He was elite, elite in all of those numbers. And in all of those numbers this year, it's way down. Now, it's still above average. So, like, you're not panicking. And his walk rate's up, which is actually a good sign, you would think. But, um, yeah, just I wanted to point it out. And, uh, again, I'm new, I knew what – I knew – without even asking you that you were going to get torched when I saw your tweet. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and again, we're Probably. not predicting this is going to be the case anymore. I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I expect it to be better than this. Like, we're not saying otherwise. I mean, I don't think so. Do you agree with me? I think it'd be better than yeah. this. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, and I, if I had to list one through 25, all of my concerns with the Atlanta Braves <laughs> yeah. organization right now, Austin would be like 19 on that list. But at a certain point, you just want to see him turn it on a bit more we know he just he's such a complete hitter when everything is going right. It is probably just one of those funny baseball things. And hopefully in a month when we're you know, on Memorial Day, we're talking about how good of a month Austin's been having. I, I don't think anybody is sounding the alarm bells, but it is worth pointing out that a one of the, the three cornerstone core pieces of this franchise currently and someone who's going to be so for the next decade it's. I think it's fair to point out that he has struggled, especially for his standard that he's had over the last couple of years. He has struggled considerably, or you know, really since last August, and he's been off to an okay start this season. Um, but no, I. I mean, I am not alarmed at Austin by any means. Yeah, and just to, I, I'm not sure either one of us actually said it. Um, this sample size is not that small. It's 374 plate appearances. That's you know a little bit more than half a season's worth. So it's not tiny. It's not huge. He also wasn't very good in the playoffs, although that's literally four games. So who cares? Um, so just, you know, just keep an eye on that. That's all I'm saying. We're not starting an alarm or anything. It's just uh, because you brought it up and I, I, I hadn't really realized it. So we did a little bit more research on this year and he's still been good. And look, we're looking at stuff to talk about as well this time of year. And basically with the exception of the uh, never-ending Ozuna Chronicles, which, we, we're, which we're not going to do today because we've done it every single week for the entire season long, everything's kind of gone according to plan, at least relatively speaking, with the yeah. Yeah. position players this year. Like, Austin's not even been bad. Again, not been bad at all. Um, you know, Ronald's been great. Murphy's been great. Olsen's been great. Um, you know, I guess you could say that like Ozzy's been pretty good lately. So he's been, he's back to being pretty solid. Yeah. Darno, Darno got hurt. Like Michael Harris has been hurt. So it's not really like he's the only guy again, other than Ozuna, that's really a little bit off of his norm. So that's another reason why we're even bringing it up. It's just lack of uh 
topics is kind of an a funny way to put it, but it really is true. Like everybody else is kind of what you think they're going to be. Yeah. And when Austin Riley is National League Player of the Week next week. Oh, everybody, please, can... please credit this podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Please go they ahead and tell your friends. That, yeah. MLB should just put that in the press release for next. Not, not only that, he's going to hit four home runs on Monday in the two games. Guaranteed. So. Yeah. Everybody can laugh at us and point at us, but. No, I mean, I think longtime listeners of the show know that we try to keep it real. We try to be fair and nuanced with our takes. And when things are good, we say they're good. And when things aren't as good, we say they're not as good. Uh, but yeah, we, let's get Austin going. Uh, there's again, no, no super alarms going off. <laughs> yes. But we, we want to see him be more successful than he has been over the last, as you noted, half season worth of data. And if you have any anyone that you want to uh, get, if you're if you're angry, you can fire your takes to at Scott Coleman fifty five on Twitter at Scott Coleman fifty five. You can find the tweet, respond to it. He really appreciates dialogue. Love it. All right, uh, <laughs> moving on. So we'll close the podcast by talking about the week ahead. You know, unexpectedly a doubleheader on Monday. There was supposed to be a day game already in New York, and now it's a back to back like no break. Like there's like thirty minutes in between games, doubleheader against the Mets. Strider in game one for the Braves and then Charlie Morton in game two against uh, an opener for the Mets and also Tyler McGill. So as I said before, the, the Braves are going to be favored in both games pretty clearly in the betting market. We'll see if that holds. Um, you never want to assume two victories against a good team like the Mets and you're playing on the road, but not the worst situation in the world for doubleheader. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, at the very least, let's hope the Braves can take one yeah, you feel great about Spencer Strider. I mean, heads up this year. I don't know if the Braves will be underdogs. I mean, really, whenever Strider or Freed start, I mean, maybe if it was like, I mean, they've already gotten the San Diego trip out of the way. I mean, maybe a road game in Los Angeles or, you know, like, I mean, that's just how good Freed and Strider are. Um, and naturally, tomorrow, the Braves, who have a huge advantage in game one, will lose. And then when it's a little more even in the second game, the Braves will win nine to one or something like right. that. Uh, yeah, right. That That's baseball. But, I, you know, there is a good opportunity here. You get the first road trip out of the way to New York, a place that the Braves did struggle quite a bit last year. Um, even as good as they were, it was one road venue they were not super successful in. Um, Strider and Morton against Denny Reyes and Tyler McGill. I think you take that. You get through the series. You didn't have to see Max Scherzer. You didn't have to see Justin Verlander, who is rehabbing. So it's overall, assuming you could take at least two out of three, if not win all three. Winning all three would be huge, especially in that aforementioned uh, importance of winning head-to-head against divisional opponents for playoff seating and home field and all of that. Uh, at the very least, let's hope for two out of three, if not the sweep. Yeah, and the Braves are 11-2 and two on the road so far this year. Small sample size, all that stuff. But they do have a three-game lead in the National League East and a very large run differential lead on the rest of the field, whether it be the Mets, Marlins, Phillies, etc. Um, not, I guess not coincidentally, they go to Miami after the doubleheader on Monday and play the Marlins three times. The Marlins are a nice story early on. They're 16-13. and thir- Now, they do have a winning record despite a minus 35 run differential in 29 games. So they've been a little bit fortunate so far, but uh, the Braves have Elder, Wright, and Free going in those three games. You get the uh, rematch of Bryce Elder versus Sandy Alcantara that happened on Wednesday that the Braves won that game at home. And uh, also of note, Thursday's game is a 4-10 start. So if you are a fan of afternoon baseball, a lot of that in the next few days. 
Yeah. And, you know, Atlanta has played very, very well at Marlins Park, really since it's opened, right? Like that's something the Braves have done so well during this division run is take care of business against the Marlins and the Nationals. Uh, You know, the, the Marlins are an improved team. If they stay healthy, I think they're going to at least try to compete for a wild card. I don't think they have the horses to take down Atlanta or New York for the top of the division, but the Marlins have some pieces. They have some talent. Uh, And the pitching is good, right? I mean, it's kind of a bummer that you're going to see Sandy Alcantara in back-to-back series as good as uh, he is. He has not been superhuman overall this year, but he looked awfully good in that start this past week. But again, three games in Miami, if you can take two out of three, that would be great. Uh, And then a fun home series against really a a really up-and-coming ball club in the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, it's it's a little bit odd, honestly, to consider the fact that a series against Baltimore is not this like slam dunk huge advantage. Now the Braves are still better than the Orioles, I think, but at the moment they're nineteen and nine, and like they are, they were pretty good last year. They're seemingly good now. Uh, the Braves have also a good bit of uncertainty. It's kind of our last bigger topic, I think, should be um, because of the doubleheader and the rain and all that stuff. The Braves don't really have a starter for Friday. Um, there was some question about whether they could maybe punt, not not necessarily punt, but use it use it one of the uh, minor league guys in one of the doubleheader games on Monday, but they're they're not doing that. So that lines up Friday as a TBD, and it could be a bullpen game. It could be any of the minor league guys. Could be uh, Schuster. People have called for Mike Soroka, who was uh, unfortunately not very good today in Gwinnett. Uh, it's too early to really know. We're still four days out, and I'm sure that Sean and Chris and Steve will talk about this. Um, do you have any takes whatsoever on Friday's um, opera- mode of operations? Because I, I know that Snicker will basically say, we'll see what happens the next three days, four days, before he actually says anything about this. So that's kind of where I am, but I wonder if you have uh, stronger thoughts than I do. It's a bummer that Mike Soroka did not pitch super well today. Everybody is rooting for him to get up to Atlanta Uh, You know, talking with some of the uh, fine gentlemen who cover the Braves minor league for battery power, they've mentioned that while his overall numbers and talking about Soroka, Soroka's overall numbers have been good, but his command has not really been there. Uh, You worry about that a little bit against big leaguers. So I think the Braves just really want to put Mike in the best situation to be successful. You know, I don't know if that is necessarily pitching on Friday Uh, And then we've seen Jared Schuster, not particularly effective at the major league level, but I'd probably rather go with Schuster, even if you go out there with the idea that he's only going to pitch three or four innings as more of an opener type or an extended opener and then give it to the bullpen. But uh, these things tend to work themselves out. We'll see. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you mentioned Baltimore is 19 and nine as of recording this. You know, last year, they took everybody by surprise. It was a super fun team to watch. They almost made the playoffs, which would have been a crazy story. Uh, and it looks like they're very real once again this year. I mean, they have Adley Rushman, who is overall one of the best ball players in the sport, maybe the best or second best catcher in the game. They have a fun lineup. They have some young pitchers on the way. And again, I've said this before on the podcast. I just love the new balance schedule. It, it used to drive me nuts that you would go years without having a team come to your home ballpark. So the fact that you're going to see young upcoming teams like the Orioles is a lot of fun. Truist should be rocking. Hopefully the weather gets a little better. I don't think anybody wants to see rain. It is a, a break that, of course, Miami has the dome. 
but yeah, I mean, Miami's playing well, Baltimore's playing well, and then you have two important games on Monday with the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Baltimore is really fun, so I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, kind of more intently just as a baseball fan. But yeah, Friday's a game to circle, and then they're back on schedule after that. And look, if they don't need to use the bullpen heavily in the next four days, maybe they go, the Braves just go full bullpen game on Friday. We'll see. But also, you're it's not likely to happen because you're playing five games in four days before that, so you probably don't want to have a bullpen game if you can help it. Yeah. So maybe they'll just they'll choose their their best option. Um, you know, if it's going to be Soroka, that means they probably have to kind of decide that like right now and basically say, all right, Mike, you have five days to prepare your pitching on Friday, etc. Um, we'll see. Uh, also, a note by the way, you're going to love this guy. Sunday's game is at eleven thirty-five a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, get, early get, morning get, on the west up, coast yeah i was gonna say get up early scott um honestly i don't know if i like that or not we talked about it when it first started happening last year i think it's kind of cool to be honest with you but if you happen to be a brace fan on the west coast a la scott it's not the greatest setup in the world and i want people to, that maybe not know that locally to just kind of have that on the radar because if you are someone that goes to church regularly or if you have plans on sundays like you're gonna miss the start of the game on sunday 11 35 is the official first pitch time at truest so uh, it's also on Peacock. So if you don't have an option to get to, ha- to watch that, go ahead and find your way there for whatever free trial or whatever's going to happen. I'm sure we'll have a free trial to offer people somewhere, but uh, search that out. You have uh, a week to prepare. Yeah, I actually think the Sunday morning games might actually be on NBC as well, at least Maybe. early on. I don't know. I'm, um, I'm trying to find this now as we talk. I know I, I made note of it because I knew that the, the start time was so odd that it had to be Peacock. Yeah. So I'm doing research as, you know, this is a great, great, great radio yeah um, it does it, says, it it just says peacock on the mlb.com oh. but also you have an nbc logo somewhere so it could be on nbc i would like that if i was a consumer um but just keep that in mind i don't know look at look it up i'm sure chris knowing chris the detailed person that he is our fearless leader will have a full breakdown of where you can watch this game on the site i, I promise yeah. you that yeah and it should be a fun one i, I believe that would be um would that be strider or would that be morton on sunday um, regardless. Uh, well, the thing is that they can kind of do oh, whatever. Yeah. I, I assume it'll be Strider Saturday and Morton Sunday because you want to have, you know, Strider's going first on Monday. That yeah. probably tells you that they want to have him come back Saturday on his regular rest and have Morton get the extra day. Morton's 100 years old. Um, you know, all that. All that. So I, if I had to guess, they're not going to say this for a while, I, I would imagine, but I would guess it's probably Morton. But yeah, we'll that, I think that's right. Um, yeah, it should be a fun week. Again, Mets, Marlins, Orioles, a lot of baseball, eight games in seven days, which is fun. Again, let's hope the rain cooperates and the weather's a little bit better. But overall, a strong week. You go four and one. Um, as of, you know, 24, or 30 hours from recording this, they'll be done with their first road trip to the Mets, which is nice to get out of the way. Now you're just kind of checking things off the list right now and Hopefully the Braves keep rolling. I mean, really, it's just been they had the really bad weekend series against the Padres and they had the bad weekend series against the Astros. But besides that, the team has been pretty darn close to perfect overall. Uh, It's just one of those things. And um, they also haven't been great at home. So maybe they can get that balanced a little bit. I saw some chatter this week. Uh, They did win three at home against Miami. Uh, but again, it's just it's still early. Got a hundred and what hundred and thirty-five games or so to go. Nonetheless, should be a fun week ahead. 
Yep, a lot of baseball to be happening in the near future. Um, as a programming note, we were a little bit light on the Daily Hammer this week because Sean was on vacation. I did I did one. I couldn't do much more because the but because the, the Hawks were playing. But now the Hawks are over, which, which is nice for me, uh, at least in terms of my schedule. Not necessarily for the Hawks, of course. But we'll have uh, plenty of content coming. Not only Sean, uh, but Chris and Steven. And then uh, we'll be back as usual next week, I believe. And we definitely encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. You get all of those shows for the price of $0 in your feed, delivered to you via your podcast platform of choice. So choose wherever you like to listen to the podcast. If you want to do multiple, that actually helps us quite a bit. So if you want to really, really support the show, the best possible way would be to subscribe over multiple platforms and download multiple times and click and all those fun things to kind of game system for us. But ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify, et cetera. And also please read the site, batterypower.com for all of that stuff. Scott, where can the folks find you if they have not started to find you already? Yeah, thanks everyone. When Austin Riley wins Player of the Week, please <laughs> let me know about it at yeah. Scottman55. You can go to the site and leave comments as well, telling me I'm a big dummy. I welcome that. I appreciate the love. Um, but yeah, Brad, good to have you back after your week off last week. Thanks to everybody for checking us out. Things are good right now. Hopefully, we keep rolling, and uh, we'll be back next weekend. We certainly will. Thanks, for everybody. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy this week of uh, interesting rain-impacted baseball, including, again, a doubleheader on Monday. Lots of baseball to consume, and we'll see you all next time.